And this is Trash Talk Podcast, a spinoff show off the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. This is a roughly bi-weekly show where Travis and I sit down and we talk about movies, comic books, TV shows, and sometimes games, sometimes while having a drink. Today, no drinks for us today because it's uh, middle of the day, so it'll be a little bad if we start drinking right now, but also you got to get to work, Travis. I'm yeah. telling people my schedule. Let's get into this. So what we're doing today is we're doing Love, Death, and Robot Season 3. We've done episodes in the past of season one we did a season two review and this is season three but we're not just doing it as a review what we like to do with this show which is an anthology show based on the themes of love death and robots on netflix um is we rank them it's an anthology series each episode is a little bit longer or shorter than others each one tells a different story done by a different animation team different writing team and whatnot so we um are going to rank them as we've done with season one and season two so before we get into the show travis how do you feel like this compared to season one and two? I'd definitely say on par with season one. Um, I, I liked it much better than season two overall. Um, I It's kind of hard to judge because like season one had more episodes and it had a lot of good episodes, but it also had some like really bad ones. I don't think this one had any like terrible ones that I can remember. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll say this is on par if not better than season one. It's also hard to kind of like rank the seasons because even though season two wasn't our favorite compared to the three, there were still some really good episodes in that season. Yeah, no, I mean, each one has at least, like, one, in my opinion, one amazing episode. Yeah, and a couple really good ones, and some mid ones aren't, yeah. like, super exciting. But when we get into a ranking, we'll be starting with our least favorite, going to our favorite episodes. But before that, let's jump into real news and fake news. Four pieces of news, one of which is fake. Uh, my guest, Travis, has to guess which one it is. Also, before we, I guess we get into that, did you know, Travis, I don't know if this is going to shock you or this won't be a surprise, but we're getting very close to our 100th episode. Oh, really? Yeah. So, most I guess, are, wait, so just for Trash Talk or for Beer Pretzel altogether? Trash Talk podcast by itself. Okay. Now I can see that we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. What are we getting close to for Beer and Pretzel? We're probably over 50 by now. Uh, it's a bunch of episodes with the Beer and Pretzel podcast, but the thing with that is that show, because we do a long game, I split multiple episodes. Oh, that's true. Do you count each one of those in an episode or just the recording? With these, we don't do part twos of these episodes. We just record and then well, I upload them. this would be part three of this because this is the third season. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like, we don't split the episodes up yeah, individually. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that's a tough call. I guess I would have to go with, like, the games that we played so each game would be one episode mm. one. yeah i would have to measure that out and because we space them out a little bit because there's so many we can get a couple episodes out of every game we record less gameplays but there's a bunch of episodes some good stuff there but most of our trash talk podcast episodes are on our old channel that was just for trash talk if we moved over here to beer and pretzel and i think we started around 82 or so on this channel and then we've been going here every other week or so uh strong sense and now i think this could be episode 98 jeez i know so we're gonna have to think of something special to do for 100 let's see if there's anything good coming out or maybe we actually do one of the things that we promised forever ago like scarface or something <laughs> yeah that would be good i think a special episode where we're not reviewing anything in general i think a special episode where we bring on some guests we've had on in the past we get super drunk like actually trash talk and we just talk about movies and stuff in general. 
Okay, yeah, our experiences with movies, whatnot. I like that. And like almost interview ourselves about movies. I think that would be interesting. So if anyone has any better ideas, uh, let us know. But we're getting close to 100, and we will do something special for 100. I'm not sure what we're going to do for episode 99, which will be out in a couple of weeks, but we'll get to that relatively soon. With that said, Travis, let's jump into this episode. Uh, real news and fake news. I got four pieces of news here. Number one, Winnie the Pooh is being adapted into a horror movie. The once lovable and huggable honey-obsessed bear from children's stories is going to be the next iconic horror mascot. Why? Because, like everything, eventually, things run out of their copyright period and go into the public domain. Winnie the Pooh recently went there and some horror filmmakers decided to grab him and put him and Piglet into a horror movie of killing a bunch of women. Kind of stereotypical slasher stuff, but... Oh, so he's going to be the villain. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought it was like people were going to be attacking Winnie the Pooh. That would be sad. Kind of stupid. No, it's like scary mask relatively. It kind of looks like Winnie the Pooh is a giant yellow bear. Oh, okay. Has a red shirt on. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I got no opinions. I, th- I guess here's a better question then. Is this a creative choice of going, oh, this thing's going to public domain. How about we do something that people won't expect? Take Winnie the Pooh, put in a slasher film. Or is it a lazy gimmick? I think it's one of those things. It's trying to keep Winnie the Pooh relevant. Because like everyone's seen the happy-go-lucky Winnie the Pooh, the, the heartfelt Winnie the Pooh, whatever you want to say. So this is kind of like a change of pace, but still, I guess, kind of the same character. Mm. So in my mind, they could do something else. They could be more creative, but they're kind of just using. They're following a genre that's already been established with a character that's already been established. And also, just- kind of taking a character that's so wholesome like Pooh, I think that's kind of putting him in a slasher movie. It's almost just like shock value. You wouldn't kind expect of. Pooh to be in there. Therefore, it's weird. A bit. But now that, like, as soon as you, like... As soon as people read this news, whether it be true or fake, then it just loses all of its shock value. Because it was like, okay, we now know Winnie the Pooh's in there and he's the villain. Yeah. Like, there you lose all your shock value. Yeah. Like, what else are you going to see, really? Yeah. Like, a bunch of people getting slashed. Like, we've seen that, what, 15,000 times? times? Definitely. Number two, here's something that's new and not exciting. (laughs) Seth Green's Bored Ape NFT movie show thing is uh, most likely canceled. So Seth Green, he's the dude from uh, Robot Chicken. He was also the love interest in the second Scooby-Doo movie, uh, the little short dude. Um, He bought one of those NFT monkey things, and that character was going to be in its own show, an NFT show. But through a phishing scam, he lost the monkey. (laughs) Someone scammed him and took his monkey, and because he... Sure, he might have screenshots of it, but he doesn't own it by the rules of NFTs. He does not own that monkey. So now the show that was filming, they didn't release anything except for a trailer that I watched. And unless I made it up, it doesn't look good. That show cannot continue because he does not own the rights for it. Unless he pays whoever now owns it. Yeah, to get it back. Dude, how? How do you lose <laughs> an NFT in a scam? Are you that, like... I don't know. I don't want to say stupid because I know people get scammed, but it's mostly like old people, though. I know it's mostly old people, but like I've I've even seen like average citizens get scammed. But of course, it takes a good scam artist to scam them, not just sure the 
I'm an African prince and I'm going to send you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scam. I'm going like, to send you a bunch of gold. Yeah, that's an old person scam, not a young person scam. Especially, you should be a little bit more creative with the NFT that's starting its own show. Yeah. I still, I just don't know how you lose that. Like, <laughs> I, like once you buy the rights to it, like, how do you just give up your rights? I'm like, okay, I don't have any money, but I'm going to give you the rights to this monkey, which is worth money mm. somehow, even though I don't think it really was because he bought it for a show and no one else is probably going to make a show about this weird monkey. Yeah. I just think that is hilarious. Uh, and he's super pissed about it, but like, maybe this was for your own good man. <laughs> It could be for your own good, but also, like, you were the one who chose to get scammed. You know, anyway, like, he didn't choose to, but, like, he let himself get scammed. So, yeah, he should, all he can be mad at is himself. Number three, Travis. This one could be theoretically exciting. So, Hollywood is in a era of bringing things back that we know and love, for better or worse. Um, we see a new continuation slash reboot of a horror movie every year. Scream, Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out this year on Netflix. Uh, I just saw Top Gun 2, Maverick, or whatever it was called. doesn't matter. The new Top Gun, bringing back Tom Cruise. People like seeing these old characters that we know and love come back. Although this isn't as old as Top Gun, uh, Shiloh Booth has been out of the Transformers spotlight for a while. He's gone back, baby. For better or worse, Shia LaBeouf is back. The Booth is back. Only for Transformers or just in general? No, for Transformers. Oh, okay. Uh, I suppose it, but there's a catch because they got their own streaming service now, Paramount Plus. Oh, uh, yeah. A TV series, Shia LaBeouf. There's no title for this, but Shia LaBeouf is the main character of this limited series, Transformers show, starring him. Apparently, mostly could be about him, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I... I can't say as I minded him so much mm. in the Transformers movies. He was all right. Um, like, I'm really there for the Transformers. And sure. honestly, like, Bumblebee was better. Mm. So I don't want to be mean, but, like, I'm probably not going to go see this. Yeah. Are you going to get a Paramount Plus subscription for it? No, probably. I mean, maybe if I... I think I've got my free trial unless they're not doing that right now. Mm. So... Because, like, some places just, like, canceled free trials, and they're like, oh, you can't do that anymore because, like, people are using it and then getting rid of it and then creating another free account, which I understand. Like, people are screwing the system, but, like, mm. now you just ruin it for all the rest of us. Yeah, now also it's like, I'm not going to go check it out. Like, with that Apple TV, a while ago I made a free subscription. I watched some of their stuff and, like, kind of made me interested. I could have, if I enjoyed the stuff more, if they had more content signed up for a longer-term thing. That's what I did with Shutter. Some of these services that just canceled a free trial thing, I'm not going to check it out. Paramount Plus, you're not that excited for me to go, oh, I think I'm going to blow $10 to see what's worth on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and that's probably, like, that seems like the biggest show that I've heard of them making. So, like, that'd be the only thing worth checking out currently. And number four, our final real news and fake news, Travis. According to Deadline, one upcoming high-profile superhero movie reportedly had its final script submitted to the Writers Guild of America, with insiders saying that 45 different writers had contributed over various stages of development. And for big-budget movies, it's not untypical for a movie to have a good amount of writers. Writers get fired and brought back on again, and they keep just going through them. Uh, many times till they find a product that the director likes as well as the actors and the company that's paying big monies for this. But 45 writers is an insane amount to the point that the Writers Guild does not know how they will credit 
what writers will get the credit because they're not going to credit all 45. They're only going to credit at most probably three or four. I'd credit all of them. Screw you guys. You guys are paying every single one of these guys. Yeah, yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. That would be funny. Just like a huge ass list, 45 names long. You just get to the end credit scene and then it's just the section for writers and you just see like name after name after your name. I'm like, oh, damn. Damn, this is going on for a long time. Yeah. But Travis, the real question is, out of the four pieces of news I gave you, which one could be the fake one? I'm going to go with the Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Transformer show. Sure. Why? Even though it sounds like the biggest thing they could make, I just I don't know if Shia LaBeouf would want to do it, and I don't know if like Transformers has always been like big screen, like even Bumblebee, which mm. like would have been the only thing I would have seen being a show has been a movie. So I just don't see them making a show about it. Sure, that's fair enough. And our real news and fake news, or I guess the fake news for this week, Travis, is indeed the Shia LaBeouf show. You are correct this week, Travis. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so I saw that coming. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, Shia LaBeouf is going on like a little, like a decline in his mental health recently. So I don't think he's going to be in anything recently. But there has been a lot of stuff coming back with like bringing back old actors and their old roles back to new screen. So I felt like that could have been fairly realistic, but no, I mean, it could have been, but my biggest thing was you gave me very limited information on it. Sure. And also again, a show of all things, <laughs> like I could understand a movie, like maybe, but like a show, I just couldn't see that. No, that's totally fair. All right, Travis, let's jump into season three of love, death and robots. Could you imagine paying the CGI actors to do a show about transformers. Oh, it's like all CGI. Yeah. That also would have been like super expensive. Yeah. Almost as if not more expensive than like game of Thrones and yeah. not nearly as popular. And like the CGI on those transformers movies for robots is very, very good. So you either have to go big, spend a shit ton of money or have a disappointing result with just half ass CGI. Cause these movies weren't cheap to make. They made a lot of money, but not cheap to make. Nope. Gotta pay bit. the CGI guys. There's a lot of people involved with that. Speaking of CGI and animation, Love, Death, and Robots, uh, anthology of animation. And what we're going to be doing is, like I said before, we're going to be ranking them from worst or at least our personal least favorite to favorite. And we're going to see where our opinions are going to cross over and where they're going to differ. Um, but with that said, what I say for every of these reviews of Love, Death, and Robot is that when ranking them, animation is something that takes forever to do, and a lot of talented people have to work on it. And even our least favorites, at least in my opinion, of this show and this season has nothing really to do ranking-wise with the least least favorite with the quality of animation. The people who worked on the animation did amazing across the board. Generally, then, it would be story. If anything, it would be story. Yeah, just the one or two people that wrote the script maybe weren't as interested in it because... For the most part, there's one, I'm going to talk about one animation that I wasn't a super huge fan of the animation style. That's just a personal choice. It wasn't because it was bad. All the animation in the show is beyond terrific. My biggest thing is like with the animation, like <clears throat> it's incredible. But when they try to make them look human, like very mm. human and very realistic, which there was like at least two that I can remember from this season that tried to do that. And it looked, to me, it just looked weird. The Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something we're going to be talking about because that definitely factors into a couple of my rankings just because of that. I tried not to. I tried not to let it sway me. I tried to go mm. story alone. But, yeah. So, yeah, that was my biggest thing. It's, it's just hard for me to, like, fully grasp it. Because, like, I even, uh, 
we talked about a while, but there was like a, what a model or something on Instagram. That's actually like a C- AI, uh, something or other. Yeah. But it's like so realistic. But the thing is she looks very scary looking because of the uncanny Valley that she looks too lifelike, but of course she's not and lifelike. You, and you know, she's not like, she you looks know she's not just enough to where, you know, it's not, but it looks very, very close, which is why with most animation people animate in a way that's very even though it's good animation, the Pixar films do an amazing job with their animation, but it's a cartoonish and unique style, you know instantly that's not real. Yeah. Just because how everyone's modeled. But with a couple of these, um, they probably go a little bit too close, but if anything, it's an exercise about how good animation can be to real life, for better or worse. Yeah. So with that said, I guess let's take turns. We'll start with you, go me, and I'll start for the next one. I believe there's nine episodes. There are this, nine. Nine episodes. We're going to start with number nine, and I'll pull up my phone where I have my rankings. But with that said, Travis, let's jump into it. What was your number nine and why? It's going to have to be Night of the Mini Living Dead. Okay. Now, the thing with this one, I didn't mind the animation style at all. I thought it was pretty good-ish. Um kind of felt like claymation almost in a sense yeah it really does my biggest thing with story was like there's no dialogue at all which for better or worse you know is what it is so it's kind of hard to get a grasp of like what's really going on and second thing was it kind of just felt like night of the living dead but animated sure and modernized because it's set in whatever 2022 not whatever, 1980s or whatever it was, mm. Night of the Living Dead. So yeah, it does kind of, because there's literally these people drive to a graveyard, get bit by a zombie. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, so Night of the Mini Dead for me was kind of interesting enough to not put it in at number nine. But like you said, there is no story at all. It's basically kind of just a reflection on a zombie apocalypse film from a unique perspective that you're not on the ground level. Yeah, You're, you're like, way up high. You're seeing zombies as minis, not of the mini zombies dead, yeah. whatever it's called. But yeah, that was just, that was why it was just, it definitely wasn't bad, but it was just, I wish they'd put either some more dialogue or maybe just, I don't know, change the story up. Cause again, I've heard, Walking Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead, freaking whatever other zombie apocalypse movies. They're all pretty much the same. Yeah, that's Humans true. Fall, humanity but, falls into decay. But would you argue, though, that this is a unique way to look at it, that no, no, it's you don't hear any dialogue, anything? It's just, like, sky-high perspective. I mean, I guess. It's not it, a story. Yeah, they're just... It is... It's cool to look at, but, like, you don't really... There's no characters to follow along with. There's no... Like, there's nothing that kept me motivated to, sure. to care if people just died all like all around. Sure. No, I get that. And it I'm can, glad can that it wasn't longer. Yeah. Just it, give me one main character if, if you want to make a story out of a hmm. zombie apocalypse. One I can either love or hate. Like, either way, I'm going to watch it. But Yeah. And, like, you're not going to know anything about the person to love them or hate them. But it would be interested in seeing this tiny little person kind of zoom around and, like, get in a car and drive off. And then you see him the next slide. Because, basically, it's a bunch of slides of like a camera in a new area, still sky high perspective, new area, new area, new area, but new each people. little area is just like a couple seconds of a new story. Not really a story, but people die and yeah. zombies take over and on to the next section. So what was your number nine? So my number nine, Travis, was a short called Kill Team Kill. So this is the one that is, it's a 2D style animation 
And it's kind of animated to look a little bit like Archer in that like flat mm, yeah. 2D with the thick lines. Very close. To that. A lot of animation shows do that style nowadays. Um, I really liked its uh, color use. And there was some decent humor involved. But in my eye, I kind of saw the 2D style looked a little super basic and cheap, at least compared to the rest of the season's beautiful animation style. That's where you and me differ. I love 2D. Yeah. So I, I actually I like, like 2D too when it's done well. Well, no, because even the Archer, like I respect the Archer art style and I like this in the same aspect. Like sure. in my mind, yeah, it might not have the same, like, I don't know, the, the same amount of uh, depth that a lot of them go into, but in my mind, it still looks nice. And in that one, there was an actual story, even though maybe it wasn't the greatest story. Mm. It still had a story, and I like that. Sure. I did like the giant, like, zombie cybernetic bear. That was a cool twist. That follows him, but I feel like the show, or at least this short, had too much humor to it and not particularly great, well, in so my opinion. My biggest thing, so from two seasons back, there was a similar story, except for it wasn't a bear. It was, like, uh, these weird monkey, um, devilish-looking creatures. And it was basically... A Russian uh, special ops team go into the woods, mm. get killed off, um, and they try to fight off these monsters, these demonic uh, monkey creature things. That's the serious one, and then this is the Americans kind of making a joke of it, like sure. the, the same scenario. So I, to an extent, like this one as much as I like the Russian one because they were two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. So with that, I'm going to get into my number eight, which is what we just talked about, Night of the Mini Dead. So I liked it a little bit more than Kill Team Kill just because animation quality is a lot better. Also, it was a very unique way to animate a short film. But like we just said, no story involved. So as much as I liked its unique twist on a zombie apocalypse, and there were some unique things I liked about it. So um, what did I write down? So... Interesting concept that I really liked was the miniature montage of Zombie Apocalypse movie with some neat ideas. Like there was a trolley Mad Max car. So it's like one of those little trolleys from San Francisco. And they like uh, made it into a Mad Max car. Would have been interesting like you brought up before if we had a main character who maybe started off in, I don't know, a bus or whatever. Maybe he walks out of his like accountant building or whatever. And then by the end, he has like when full Mad Max, he owns this little trolley car, whatnot. Like, that would have been cool. Would you like just watching one person evolve from being like your upstanding citizen guy to being like, okay, zombie apocalypse, I go into Mad Max? Like, because there was a couple scenes where they were full on like Mad Max almost. Sure. There's another part that I thought was very creative was that. Um, there was two guys that were using flamethrowers and they were burning down all these zombies because they attached their flamethrowers to a gas station. So we're able to use that. And I was like, that's pretty genius. I haven't seen that in a zombie movie before. That would have been cool. Like you said, we don't have to hear this guy say a word. We just need to follow this one little guy as he devolves, like you said, from a high outstanding citizen to basically just a raging um, survivor fighting against the world and we don't want to hear him say a word but he just we see his little body just go from slide to slide to slide from area to area doing little funny things yeah just making his way around what was left of america and just destroying zombies and surviving yeah all i wanted um my number eight is gonna be was it jim 
Jibon? Jibon? I can't pronounce that. Is it Jibaro? Jibaro. That's what it is. Okay. Really? That low? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Talk to us about why. Um... It was beautiful. Mm. I will give it that. It was absolutely beautiful. The visuals. Um, my biggest thing with it and why I was so disappointed, it was like, so it stayed in this one area, this one like small forest, uh, didn't travel at all. And of course, this was also uh, a thing where they didn't say a word, but I was completely okay with that because it was uh, from the perspective of a deaf guy. Mm. So we were, couldn't hear anything, even though people around him were probably talking we couldn't hear what they were saying, which I thought was like an amazing concept. But what I found like, like, so basically like all the kind of killing and death. And it was just like this big bunch of blood splatter. And you couldn't like see much of any of the battles. Cause a lot of them were either in the water or near the water. They were like falling into a lake of what I'm assuming death. Cause it was, was it water spirit or the, the Jimbaro, the, what? yeah. Um, I don't know enough about the culture to know what kind of creature it's supposed to be, but it's like a siren water spirit. Yeah, that lives um, in a lake in the mountains. Apparently, so like a real like character from folklore. I wish I read more into it, but yeah, for now we'll call it a water spirit or a siren. Yeah. But it's, so, and they had this like really cool area, but it's basically a bunch of these guys, I'm assuming fight each other from what I could vaguely understand from it, and then they all just drop in the water dead, and then mm. just big pool of blood. And somehow, like, using their blood, she was able to conjure powers of some sort. Again, I had a lot of trouble following what was going on. That was probably my biggest issue with it. I liked it visually. I liked the main character. And I even liked the fact you couldn't hear anything, but just trying to follow what was going on. And, like, having... So there was a sense of adventure to it, because they had this whole, like, uh, brigade of of military guys going out to this lake. I'm assuming to kill the, the siren. But, like, we never saw them get there. We just see them arrive, mm. and then they all die. And then one guy tries to run away, but he only makes it, like, what feels like a couple hundred yards. Yeah. Um. So it's, like, I, I one maybe either, like, some trip in or maybe actually let him, like, get farther out. Maybe make it to, like, some sort of city. Something. But is that what a short film really is? It's just, like, it doesn't show the whole movie. It's just only showing, like a long scene. From. But you can do like a cut into it from him being there to having gotten away to a city. And then the siren follows him or whatever to sure. just, just give me a new location. Like the, the forest felt so confined. Sure. Which so is actually one to... thing I like better about the night of the, the mini dead was the different locations they went to, even though it was mm. a bunch of cuts, they went to so many different places as to where, this uh, was Jimbaro. just confined to just the forest waterbed. Forest, and it felt like not even like a hundred square, like hundred kilometer radius around this lake. Yeah, it's pretty much one location that she kind of lures them into their death. Yeah. Um, for anyone who didn't watch it, it um, seems like they chose this because they wanted to go fight her, and then she just like destroys them. I don't know. I my interpretation <clears throat> was it that they were just traveling through, and then they happened but to like, go in the wrong area, and they went to where a water spirit was. Was my interpretation. Maybe uh, maybe I didn't get that, but I I just saw them like I thought they were going there specifically to attack her because she seemed to have like a treasure trove, yeah. And I thought they were going there to steal her treasure and to kill her off, but they did they couldn't do that because you know she she op yeah. I don't know. Again, I had a lot of trouble following the story. Sure, but Makes there sense. was a story unlike Night of the Living Dead. So <laughs> that's very that. true. Yeah. So now we're going into our number seven pick. 
So, Travis, we'll start with you this time. What was number seven for you? Uh, it's gonna be Swarm. Okay. Um, I did. I did like it. Same thing. Uh, visually, it was very cool because it was outer space. It was like a giant asteroid, and it was vi- uh, a lot of uh, bright colors and stuff. But and th- and it did have a story as well. It's just it's a story I've heard a million times. It's mm. Humans find a creature, uh, Jurassic Park, for example, they create dinosaurs and then somebody's like, oh, we can modify these or we can weaponize it, weaponize it or enslave it to make it a fight for us in a war. Also alien. Also alien. Yeah. And that's what this one was. It was, again, a same story that I've heard over and over again, albeit different location, different characters. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, and also I couldn't, I couldn't find myself to like really care about the characters. I don't, maybe they just didn't do enough. Sure. But it was like supposed to be some sort of love story between two doctors. One of the doctors wants to enslave the whole race. One's just like your average happy go lucky. I just want to look at them and observe them, Mm. but then gets convinced to help the other scientists kidnap one. Um, and again, like I just, I found no connection to them. I couldn't love or hate them because like I knew the dickhead was going to be a dickhead and want to enslave them. And I knew the other one was going to want to protect, well, not even protect them, but like want to watch them and see what they do. Like, sure. That's I, pretty like a standard generic. In this kind of story. You always have someone that wants to weaponize them and someone's the good person, the yeah. Ellen Ripley person. And they're not even like, well, I mean, this one wasn't even like as good as Ellen Ripley because like this one actually is like, oh yeah, she falls in love instantly is like convinced. Yeah, we should just. Ins- That's true. Yeah. So a little bit different, but not by enough, I guess. But wouldn't you say also that <clears throat> didn't he have a point was that these creatures don't like feel or think? They don't feel or think. Well, clearly they did. <laughs> one At least one of them did because like it goes south real quick. So Maybe they don't all feel and think, but the queen definitely does. And whatever this, the the protector of the colony was, they definitely feel and think. So, yeah, I mean, just kidnapping one probably wouldn't make a difference, but then you're asking to get the, the swarm to be mad at you, basically. Sure. Makes sense. My number seven pick was actually very close between the swarm and uh, the one I'm about to talk about, but the swarm barely made it out and got into number six. And I'll talk to you about why, uh, but it is in vaulted in vaulted halls entombed, which is this mm. kind of cool uh, Cthulhu story about some soldiers fighting back against, well, kind of a swarm, actually a swarm of little robotic Cthulhu like little creatures. And uh, they basically go to a super cool giant tomb. They find basically like, a Cthulhu monster, huge being that drives one of them insane. And yeah, that's kind of the story. Uh, I liked the idea of it. I liked the idea of soldiers going up against a being that's far stronger than them, that their guns can do nothing against. I thought the movie was uh, pretty decent, but in terms of ranking it between this and the swarm, there's a reason why I put Swarm a little bit ahead, and that was just because this one suffers for me. I was having a hard time to follow it just because of what we were talking about earlier, Duncanny Valley. Okay, that, yeah. Again, I tried not to let that affect me, but yeah, yeah, honestly, that was hard. Yeah, with this one especially. Like, I really loved how they did the Cthulhu creature. Yes. 
And also, like, the landscape of the tomb itself. Yeah, the landscape. And even the little bug robot-looking things. Like, all that stuff looked incredible. But then you get the Uncanny Valley, like, humans. And you just mm. it pulls you away from it just that much. And also, I think they brought in, like, real... A- well, all them real actors. But, like, some famous actors. Because one of them looked identical, unless they stole his likeness, of Jai Courtney, who plays Captain Boomerang. Oh, actually, he did. Yeah, the Captain guy. Yeah. He huh. looked identical, so but he was killed off fairly quickly. So I don't know. Kind of, yeah. No, the not the captain, the like secondary guy. He had like kind of orangish hair. Oh, that guy. Yeah, you gotta have to see Captain Boomerang without his like mutton chops and stuff. Picture Jai Courtney, but when he was in those Transformers movies. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay, he was killed off fairly quickly. Maybe that's why his big actors cost money. I guess so. Yeah. So, overall, I like the concept of this. I, like, the whole thing, I just like Cthulhu. I like the idea of soldiers being up against something they can't fight back against. Um, the story was okay. Nothing wrong with it. But at the end of the day, their faces looked way too close to what we'd expect as live-action footage, but a little bit off to the point that you know it's not real. And it just unsettled me the whole time. At points, it just kind of looks like a video game, like a really, really good video game cutscene. You know how, like, yeah. the video game cutscenes generally look a little bit better than, like, when you're actually playing the game because yep. they can just animate it as a short film. It kind of looks like that, and that's why my rating of it dropped down a little bit to number seven. Okay. No, I, I can understand that. And now let's get into our top six picks. I will start this time. And we just talked about it, but the swarm. So, also, story-wise, not hugely impressed although what stands apart for this is how fluid its movement and animation was for me there's Mm -hmm. a lot and it's basically underwater so it's really cool seeing these characters like move around with these creatures and also there's points there's like an escape uh chasing where characters are like shooting themselves through small little holes like gliding their bodies through these holes to escape these monsters and just seeing all that was very pleasing to watch visually the fluid movement and animation and their faces were changed they were stylized their heads are a little bit wider so that you didn't get the uncanny valley effects because you know it was a stylized stylization choice to make them look different yeah but besides that i have nothing else really to add basically everything you brought up pretty basic story about humans want to take over something they shouldn't even if it bites them in the ass yeah i guess yeah that's fair um yeah it, it was close it was close uh actually kill team is my number six okay which we've already talked about but again i i really like the animation style i don't mm. know why but i was that was top par for me actually thinking about it now i'd almost change that between five and six now thinking about it because i liked that better than i liked uh into the the vault or whatever it was yeah which is my number five. So you have these two military base uh, shorts back to back. Yeah. And again, I, I tried not to go off the uncanny Valley. Cause mm-hmm. like, even though that was a little bit of a put off because both swarm and uh, into the vault suffered from that, even though I think swarms was better. I'll agree with you. Like they're one as bad, but they still like try to make them look more human than like kill team. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so kill team, I don't know. I just, I really liked it. It was a good story. And as I said before, it was like that mix of, they did this, the the, the Russian one where it was very dark, very gruesome and very serious. And this one was just kind of lighthearted and kind of 
didn't make fun of the situation, but just made it more of like your classic American action hero movie, which mm. I enjoyed. Yeah, like cheesy one-liners, uh, not taking it super seriously. Exactly. Stuff like that. Was the Russian one that you were talking about, was that the one where they went to a cave? Uh, so no, it was like literally in the middle of the woods, and they went to go, basically a similar story, they went to go find one of their uh, teams in the yeah. woods, and like the entire, they got surrounded really quickly like on this like cliff face, and had to like fight to these like horde of like these weird demonic creature looking things. Sure. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it. I'd have to go back and look it up. But yeah, so moving on from that, we got number five, which is going to be my top five, barely, is going to be Into the Vault. Yep. Cthulhu. It, um, why would you put that above Kill Team Kill? Which I'm not saying, at least for me, well, I would have done that. But why did you at the time like it a little bit better? Um. So basically, I mean, not that I've ever played those first-person shoes, but it kind of felt like one of those first person shooter video games, but just like that much more like I, what I imagine the first person shooter video games will be like in the future, mm. like where they're at that uncanny Valley level. Yeah. Um, which good or bad, maybe people like it, maybe people won't, but I just like, I just, to me, it just seemed like this glimpse into the, what we're going to see in the possible future. Maybe we won't even see it. Maybe this will be past our, when we die or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, we're almost at that level now, so it shouldn't be too difficult, but Mm. then we need a computer to process playing a whole video game at uncanny little valleys of animation, which would be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll see how that happens, but no. And then also I just, I love the Cthulhu and I love how the Cthulhu monster was designed. Like I, yeah, the robots were okay. Like I didn't Mm. fully understand, like I'm assuming there's some sort of like advanced alien race that made them. But, like, the, the Cthulhu monster all, like, kind of chained up in his dungeon area just wanting to escape was, like, probably the, one of the best scenes from this season for me. And also I liked how, like, he just, like, looked at one guy. And you don't see that a lot with, like, Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu base or Lovecraftian shows and movies is that these creatures... Use mind. Are, they uh, affect the mind. They're so, like, your mind breaks just looking at them because you can't comprehend what they are. And I like that. And they um, actually, inclusion. they showed that very well twice because there was him trying to release this Cthulhu monster. And then, like, a scene afterwards, you see the female, the one, the only survivor, but she literally had to, like, deform her body, like, remove mm-hmm. her ears and her fucking, not nose, eyes, just so she couldn't be swayed by the monster. Yep. Even though I still don't know if that would work. I don't know if the Cthulhu's would have to look directly into your eyes to be able to mi- use mind, like, speech or whatever. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. But maybe, maybe I guess in this storyline that worked. But yeah. it was just, it pushed that whole kind of creepiness factor to a new level. So, yeah, and I really enjoyed it. Again, it's kind of a toss-up between those two. Like, I did like the animation style of Kilty more. I did like the story a little bit more on in the Into the Vault. Yep. So... Um, but yeah, that's that's my number five. What, what have you got? So number five is one that I really liked, but because it was just very lighthearted, I wanted to put it up higher, but there's nothing wrong with it. I don't really have any uh, negative to say about it, but it's Mason's Rats. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I like that one. Oh, I really liked it too. The other ones are longer, so they're able to tell more of a story. I know, but like I thought it told... A good enough story for the time. For his run time. No, that's a very fair point. Um, but hey, it made it into your top five, so I, I'm not going to complain too sure. much. So Mason's Rats, uh, very hilarious uh, little film about a farmer 
in the future, which I thought was very unique, that he still lives in like a really old farmhouse. He looks like a standard uh, redneck farmer from today, but he was is able to do all his farm work with robots. But now he's having a rat problem, but these rats, because in the future, have evolved to the point that they have like little weapons and whatnot. So he calls on this exterminator company and he pays big bucks for different uh, robots to go in and wipe out these rats. Very funny little film. I get to see a lot of rats get killed and a lot of robots get killed. I think at the end, why I dropped it down from being what should be a higher ranking was that at the end of it, he brings in a super badass Terminator robot that goes in fucking wipes them all out and then goes and finds the last remaining ones and right before it kills them the farmer comes in and kills them and then the rats they all share a little drink with the farmer they give him a little beer which is very cute and they uh you know the movie ends which is a very cute ending if you think about it, i would be like if i was the rats i would be like okay thanks dude i guess but fuck you you killed like a million of our friends by bringing these robots in yeah no either the farmer should have done what he intended to do and just mass murder them all or they should have killed him had he had a change of heart like yeah I do think that ending, which is why it doesn't make it like my top one of all time, but that ending kind of was a bit of a letdown. Yeah. And like, I don't know what else you have done because it wouldn't have been that exciting to see them just kill the farmer. You kind of expect that or the farmer just to kill all of them. So it is a nice little twist that he kind of joins up with them. You get that nice moment of them sharing the little tiny rat beer glass. But also on the other hand, like it did cause mass like extinction to the whole rat family yeah and we've seen this this that that twist like at least a few times oh yeah definitely yeah but overall i love the animation style it's very good although very stylized so you don't get that uncanny valley effect and a nice little story i like the idea of a farmer that looks like it's in our present day, but it's really in the far future using uh, robotics to get rid of uh, what should be a small pest problem, but it backfires. It's kind of like that movie Mousetrap. Oh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, love that movie. So overall, really liked Mason's Rats. I wish I could have put it higher. Honestly, yeah, I, I can't fault you for that. Um, So what are we at, number five or four? What are we at? Uh, I just did number five. Oh, yes, yeah, so now we're going to go to number four. So number four, it was tough to kind of rank all these. Number, I would say three through five was very tough for me to rank. And probably on a different day, I, I might put Mason's Rats higher or keep it where it is. But number four for me is the very pulse of the machine. So in this one, it is a uh, what is called retroscope. So what they would do is they filmed actual actors performing this, and then they just drew over them basically kind of just penciled in and that's why you get this kind of interesting effect that it looks real but it's animated but like their movements are so realistic it'd be hard to animate that um but it's like also kind of 2d also it's called retroscope and um a lot of like fantasy animation studios did this back in the day in the 80s or whatnot uh but I liked it because it was a good trip. Basically, a character goes in quite literally on her own trip. She's an astronaut. She crashes, and she's trying to make it back to base. Um, but the only way to make it back, um, she has to basically keep injecting herself with different drugs to keep her body going, and she just goes on the wildest trip possible. And I like, But there's also, like, an added almost mystical aspect to it because yeah. it's like the, the planet itself or whatever world she's on is, like, talking to her. It is, but is that because of the drugs? It could in part be part because of the drugs, but I also think there's something like different about the planet yeah. itself. Oh, like, definitely. Things change. Like 
even after she uh, she perishes, we even see like another spaceship or satellite coming in, and you can just see the world changing as. Mm. So there's some sort of like mystical aspect, but they just don't dive into it a whole lot. Sure. And there's a lot of like very scientific like mumbo jumbo throughout it. Uh, so like dialogue wise, it's not like the most engaging. But what I really like about it is that it's very creative in its uh, visual design and also story design. Like her character, her oxygen tank breaks. So what she does is takes her unfortunately perished friend and just basically hooks her pack up to hers. And I've never seen that in a movie that involves space. And I thought that was a good idea. That's something that probably will have happened if we were to get to that point where we're traveling around on planets yeah. that you just have to unfortunately take the air from someone who doesn't need it anymore. And she, because of that, she had to drag her friend, which slowed down her progress. I don't know why she couldn't have taken off the backpack, but I guess it was more attached to the person. She couldn't do that. Possibly, it was possibly unremovable, but if it was, I definitely, I don't think I would be carrying my friend around. And I don't want to sound like a dick, but yeah. like it's a lot of weight and also like kind of creepy. Sure. And Especially like, with that trip that she was on. She got like really creepy for a while. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, Overall, I just liked it just from the acid trip-like um, factor in it. I really liked from season two, I want to say, that one that was also kind of trippy. I think it was also retroscope about two salespeople at the side of the road, and then there's, like, all these, like, floating oh, things that, that come in. that one was pretty good, yeah. Yeah. So I just like ones like this. Uh, retroscope kind of adds a weird look to animation in general, and just adding the trip factor. Um, pretty good time. Yeah. No, it was fun. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good show or a good episode. What was your number four, Travis? Um, my number four is gonna be uh three robots uh exit strategy. Yep. So bring in this is the only one that is a sequel to an older short film from which the was, first season. Yeah, three robots, the opening act from season one. Yep. I know. I just, I it was a good like good first episode, mm -hmm. and now this continuation actually just like it adds another level to it to me. So the robots, we get more dialogue out of them and they're all pretty good. Like I forget one's like an Xbox, but like an advanced yeah. like robot Xbox one looks like, uh, one of those pyramid things that like destroy all the people from one of those old movies. Uh, I'm not sure. Not like Terminator. Um, Oh, like, uh, from, it looks like, um, what are those things? No, not uh, no, from Dr. Who. Dr. Who. That's what they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have a name, but I know what you're talking about. They're yeah. kind of like the cone shaped, Yep. And they don't really have arms and legs. They just kind of like wheel around. Yeah. And this one kind of like that, but she's pyramid and actually has one arm. Yeah. And then this little orange, like whatever the hell it was, kind of annoying one, but it's still yeah. kind of good. Um, but no, so good continuation. Uh, we saw like the downfall of humanity in this one, like how the robots took over. Cause it was a bunch of uh, tech geniuses that built robots to make life easier at the, the apocalypse and the times. Mm. But then the robots were like, screw you. We're just going to take this world for ourselves because there was like 50, 50 tech geniuses living on this whatever it was, island or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just... And also, it showed kind of every aspect of the downfall of you. So, it showed the survivalists, like the the redneck survival, Like my one of my friends, uh, Tyler, mm. what he's going to look like at the end of time. Where <laughs> he's sitting on a toilet with a 50 cal machine gun and he's just going to be like, they're dead. But the 50 cal is going to have a whole crap load of bullets. Yeah. Um, there's that, there was the tech geniuses living on like, what was it? A uh, remodeled oil rig that was supposed to be like paradise, mm. but like all the, all the seas had been polluted. So they couldn't fish and couldn't do anything. Couldn't gather food of any sort. So they all just kind of perished over time. And then 
the big, uh, what they called the, the one percenters, the big millionaires who were planned on traveling to Mars and building colony up there somehow. Um, but they never made it because, you know, end of times comes quicker than you think. Mm. So yeah, no, it's just, it was good. It was, it's cool to see that the different like groups of people and what they looked like. It's been a while since you saw the first one, but what do you say off memory as Good or better than the first one? I liked it better than the first one, but that's, again, mm. because it was simply more... They got more conversation, and they got more talking, and they... Got to show more. Got to show more. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good reflection on kind of humanity and everything, because the way they... It's very hilarious how they word everything. The robots have, like... The three don't have, like, perfect chemistry with each other. Yeah, because one's like the mom character, and then it's like two brothers, like the older brother and the younger brother. Yeah. And they just, they work really well. It's a perfect comedy trio, and they do it also while going through some cool areas and also kind of showing us realistically probably what humans would do cause this end-of-the-world apocalypse, basically to themselves by just being stupid and greedy. Yeah, welcome to our world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that was my number four. Now let's jump into our top four. I'm excited to get to them. Okay, Travis. So you're going to start with number three. What is it? Mason's Rats. Mason's Rats. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I loved it. Um, And I actually, I'll be, granted, we did talk about the ending wasn't as perfect or maybe as good as maybe we thought it could have been, but I was okay with it. I kind of liked the the almost banter that they had between like the rats squeaking and then the guy (laughs) like chugging out of the little cups that they made out of like shotgun shells. Yeah. I know. I liked it. Um, and I just liked, so it was that whole thing. Like the guy is like, he wants to exterminate the rats. So he hires this guy that, and he just gets these machines that you would think would be overkill, mm. but because these rats are equivalent to like medieval period at that point, cause they had like spears and stuff and arm small amounts of armor. Mm. Like that was their level of intelligence. Didn't they have a small car too? No, they, they hijacked one of his robots oh, okay. at one point and mounted a cannon to it. So basically, they advanced really quickly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from being spears and pitchforks and stuff to being cannons and yeah. an auto, some sort of automobile. But again, they were just using technology that was provided to them. What I liked about um, Jacob's Rats is that it's Mason's. very Mason's Rats. It's that it's kind of like a small-scale Terminator story. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, the the one good Terminator, which would be Mason, the evil term, Terminator that is going around killing everyone, mm. and then the people just trying to survive. Yeah. Or rats, in this case. Yeah, little rats. I know. And I'll be... The one, I guess, kind of issue why it doesn't make it into the top for me is that the same thing. It's a very confined location. Mm. It's his farm. And I'll be... His farm's good size. They confine it to his house, his driveway, and the barn. One of the barns that he has. Yep. So it, just, it does feel very confined, but again, this is an army of rats. So like, they're not going to take up a whole lot of space. So in my mind, it makes more sense that it's confined. Oh, for sure. Did you feel like there was a ton of rats? It so it felt like it started off with only like three, but mm. then you just see them pile up and pile up, and you just like, where are all these rats coming? Like, because you thought it was like a small like family of rats, like I don't know, maybe a dozen. Yeah. But then like when the second Terminator robot comes in to kill them all. I saw a pile of at least probably like a hundred or so oh, that, it, yeah. that wiped out. So there was like a good swarm of rats that honestly had they started fighting back before he brought in the Terminator robot probably could have taken out Mason pretty easily. Oh yeah, definitely. If they all swarmed him. Yeah. Cause it seemed though they kind of just want to be left alone in the barn because they didn't seem to want to get out. Then Yeah. No, they had no intentions of leaving their home. 
even when like like I think the only time they did was when they were trying to run away from the Terminator robot, and that was like barely. Yeah, they didn't get very far. No, yeah. and like even like his cat would hang out in the barn with the rats, and they wouldn't bother the cat. So yeah. it's like they were happy to share the living space. Mason was just mad that they were getting into his grain or whatever he was harvesting. Yeah. He was just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, good film, uh, Mason's Rats. So my number three is one we just talked about, which is Three Robots Exit Strategies. That's fair. It should make it in the top three. Yeah. Could. Um, it's good animation, but it's just, it's the most hilarious one out of this whole bunch by far like the dialogue between them is amazing there was great dialogue the first time around we saw a couple years ago but this time there's also a great reflection on humanity back to us as we're watching as they're having their little bickering and um arguments between each other and i just like that one robot the x the futuristic xbox he has like this like really redneck like cowboy hat on yeah he like he likes to take people's clothes or yeah. shoes or whatever and he because at one point he puts a sailor's cap on <laughs> yeah yeah he's just like taking it and just wearing it as if he's like kind of in, imagining himself as being in their shoes the human in their shoes yeah and it's just everything they do is pretty hilarious. And this time around, we got to see more locations, like you said. And more banter. More banter. So I mean, basically more, just the first better. one, uh, but better. Which I really like the first one, but the first one I couldn't put. I don't know I put in my top three, but probably top five. But just because it wasn't long enough, we didn't get to see enough of it. Yeah, the only thing they didn't have in this one that they had in the first one was less cat banter. Or cat cat communication that's true yeah what did you think about the end um there's a cat who's I mean, like the only survivor oh uh, yeah colony of cats on mars yep which i think it was the exact same cat from the first one so it was like the cats escaped like after they met up with oh them i the forgot sp- they were in the first one too yes yeah. so uh yeah so i mean it, it kind of just felt like they escaped earth and made it to mars and basically, it's like, yeah, the cats will survive because I'm assuming whoever whoever made this series really likes cats mm. to some extent. I, I didn't mind it; it was good. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, um, you ever cat lover? You probably loved that. Oh uh, yeah, it was kind of a weird ending though. When just like there's like uh, someone on Mars, and you expect it to be someone. Well, you apparently expect it to be Elon Musk as the little visor comes down, and there's a cat there, and he's like, "Who did you expect, Elon Musk?" Yeah. Uh, so a little bit of a weird ending, but overall, yeah, uh, also definitely the f- top three. Yeah, the fact that the cat was controlling like a human, like mechanical suit, felt weird. Yeah, yeah, that that whole thing was a little bit weird, but it was also like twenty seconds out of the whole thing. So Fair enough. Didn't mind me. So that is our number three. Now we're gonna get down to our top two. I'm curious to see um, was it tough for you to compile these top three, or did they line up in place? For me, number one, two, and three lined up pretty well it was four or five and maybe six that was difficult to rank but one two and three kind of went down in line number two for me is one one and two were easy yeah um three and four i had a bit of trouble with because it was mason rats versus the the three robots so it's like a tough call between those two and they both have similar like humor levels to it too similar like i'd say three robots had more humor but i like the story on mason rats better so it's like a a tough call yeah. But yeah, that, that was my trouble. That was the only real area I had trouble. Makes sense, yeah. And both of those are really good. Actually, I now looking back, I, I think I would have put Mason's Rats above the very pulse of the machine because that one was a little slow at points, but it's still a very good uh, short film. But number two for me is one that we talked a little bit about already, but is Jabaro, uh, which has incredible photorealistic animation. 
um, just animation top quality. Probably my favorite in this whole show. Uh, incredible art uh, direction. I, unlike you, liked how it was contained. I liked how it was stuck in this area. We got to know this area very well. Um, this water spirit siren, whatever you want to call it, or maybe it's just called Jabaro. That would make sense what it is. But she was just very visually pleasing to look at and just also her movements. Basically, it's a ballet of blood, this whole film. As she's spinning around, she's calling out to these soldiers who are uh, lunching themselves at her, drowning themselves, killing themselves just to get her. The only one who, though, can escape is the one who can't hear, which I thought was a good way to get around the fact that she could just wipe out this whole battalion, which she eventually did. She did, she eventually did. But it's that whole thing for me. So it's one guy escapes. She, I guess, kind of falls in love with him or fall, has some sort of attraction to him, knowing that he can't be controlled by her. But then, like, she had no fear of him. Like, do you think that's the one guy you would fear? Because if mm. he, you can't hurt him, like, if your voice can't, can't reach him and can't like cause him pain. You wouldn't just go and like sleep next to him and expect him not to kill you or yeah. in this case, steal all of her gold. I took it as that she was super curious about this one person that she was not able to manipulate and control. Could, so she okay. kind of wanted to be as close to him as possible. I could understand curiosity, but curiosity from a safe distance. Cause again, that is the one guy who could possibly hurt her and he does hurt her. Yeah. Or it it kind of goes to like, Another story type that's done a couple times uh, before, which is um, the weird creature that falls in love with a human, yeah, or vice versa. Um, but I really, I personally really like that in this, and there was some uh, backstabbing by the end. But overall, what I really like about this is that its animation is top notch, even in a season full of great animated shorts. Um, and just also movement. For you, it was hard to track things, which I can get. It didn't I, show a lot of things. Yeah. Her dancing, the dancing scenes I liked. Like yeah. her doing her whole siren dance. But then when you got to the actual like fight scenes between all the soldiers or the, Some the death scenes between the soldiers. Or either a lot of cuts between things that kind of... Uh, made it a little hard to focus on what was going on. Some things were out of purposely made out of focus. I was fine with that because it was the point of view, kind of like the Normandy beach scene in Saving Private Ryan. How that it is so chaotic, the battlefield that you it's very hard to keep track on something, and then it makes it uh, but even more there, intense. It does make it intense, but I was able to keep track of that more than I was this. Mm. So I like Saving Private Ryan. Like that particular scene better than like this better one. Better than that, sure. Um, but yeah, Jabaro is uh, my number two, and it was close between number two and number one, but uh, terrific animation short. And I just like taking folklore stories from other cultures. I wish I read into this more to see where it was from, but this is a real story and a uh, very cool adaptation of it. So, Travis, now let's get into your top two. Well, we've only got two left, and that's going to leave us with. Bad traveling. Bad traveling. Two. Yep. Dude, it was so good. It is good. I mean, I'm assuming it's your number one because I haven't heard you yeah. mention it yet. Yeah, it is my number one. But it's like it was just this incredible story of basically it felt like almost like a pirate classic pirate tale, but it was just like merchants, um, just trying to make it to their destination, and they run across this sea creature. But unlike every other sea creature, this one actually communicates to them and basically just wants a ride, albeit a bit of a dick about it and like kills them all. <laughs> yeah. But that's all, he, like, that's all he wants. He just wants a ride to his new destination. He's like, yeah, you give that to me. You're you're free. Albeit they did have to feed him. 
which I think they could have just caught sharks or fish. I don't think they had to feed him people, but like, you know, mm. these guys are dicks. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, like all of the characters were good. There wasn't one that I like, I couldn't get behind. Like the big, sure. big brooding grunt of a guy who's like, yeah, I could take this thing or I'm the captain now. And I'm just gonna, cause I'm stronger than everyone. Just cause I'm stronger. Or he won the, the vote. The, th- the pull sticks thing. I think that was just to determine who goes into the brig. I don't think it was to determine who's the leader. Oh, I thought that's what that. No, it was determined who goes in. Oh. So he just decided he got the biggest one. And then he was like, yep, I am going to be the top guy now just because I'm stronger than everyone. That makes sense. Yeah. And he tried to become the captain, but he couldn't outwit the, the smart guy, which I'm assuming was like the guide. Uh, the, not the, what are they called? Like a quartermaster, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Mm. Navigator. There we go. Yeah, the navigator. navigator. I'm, I'm assuming that's what he was. Maybe he was the original captain. I don't know. But either way, he was set to die. But the he talked to this creature, and this creature's like, yeah, give me a ride. And then he's like, sure, why not? Mm. But no. And then the design of the monster, I... Like, it wasn't quite on par with, like, the Cthulhu monster, but I thought it was very well done. Creepy. Like, yes. extremely creepy. And his, uh, the children, the little hatchlings were even creepier in my opinion because it's like uh for the audience if you not watch the short even though if you're listening to this you should it's basically this very large crab creature not a kraken but it's a very large crab monster yeah the size of like a probably a white shark a great white shark yeah if not bigger and it's able to speak a little bit through putting one of its uh claws up the body of this person that's been cut in half which I thought that was a very unique way of getting the creature to be able to talk by basically doing a ventriloquism with this guy. <laughs> it's like decaying dead body. Yeah, we're yeah. just going to do ventriloquism. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was good. There's no part. Of, and like even all the backstabs and betrayals. Yeah. Because like you knew some of them were coming. Like you knew that they were going to try after he survived his incident with not getting eaten. You knew that somebody was going to try to stab him in the back. But then, like, the fact that he did this whole tally, uh, pole tally thing. Yes. And, like, he, like, rig, he, he didn't rig it, but he just basically made everyone think that they were all, like, against each other. Or there were some people against him and not some people weren't. Yep. Even though everyone really was. That was my favorite part of it. This captain character was probably my favorite character throughout the three uh, seasons. The smartest by far. He's not the strongest guy, but he's able to outwit the creature and everyone there until he's the last stand-in. Maybe a little bit of a dick that he's a, kind of the self-appointed captain. He doesn't get anyone else out but him. But but again, they were all they're like they're a ragtag crew of kind of like dickheads. Like honestly, like yeah. none of them were good people. I think as he said, every single one of them voted to bring the crab to the island with yes. people. To that was a good final twist because the first twist was that. It was both the vote, which was the vote was for bring the crab creature to where it wants to go, but it could probably kill a whole bunch of people or bring it somewhere farther, but then risk everyone on this ship getting killed. But that would be better for, you know, humanity and whatnot. But he tricks them supposedly saying that he purposely folded some of the papers so he knows which ones were the traitors who were going to bring, uh, who wanted to bring the creature to the mainland. And he kills those three people and throws them down below. Reality, like you said at the end, they everyone all, voted that. Because, again, they're all afraid. They're afraid for their lives that this creature's going to eat them, which yeah. is kind of reasonable. But, like, yeah, so he's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill you all, feed you all to the monster, and then dump it on a deserted island and burn the thing. Yeah. Which, honestly, they probably could have done a bit quicker and saved a couple of the people. But, again, his choice. And yeah, it was a good story. I really liked it. And visually, 
even though it was very dark and not always the easiest to see, it, you always felt engaged. Oh, for sure. And it has a very similar art style to the video game series that I love. It's my favorite game oh, series, Dishonored. Dishonored. You mentioned that. Yeah. As soon I was trying to watch all of them in order, but as soon as I got to the episode and I finished it, I instantly turned off Netflix and I played some Dishonored for a little bit. It was great. That's understandable. But that's how much I loved it, which is going to segue into my number one. Um, I guess I'll do, I'll briefly talk on it, then we'll get into the final one, which is your number one, which we could probably guess which one it is. So, Bad Travel, and there's nothing else I could really say that Travis already hasn't. Uh, what did I say in my notes? Uh, while it also contains some of the most uh, best animation world building, um, like most of the rest of the series, it also happens to contain the best protagonist and story in the third season, uh, which maybe instantly stopped the show to play Dishonored, which is true. Uh, yeah. Great story, a lot of twists and turns in such a short amount of time, and I really like that protagonist who was able to outwit everyone, and in this fight-or-flight situation, he was able to kill the creature and escape with his life, while also dealing with some backstabbing crewmates, so definitely my number one favorite uh has a cool gloomy atmosphere but you're still able to tell what was going on and it was definitely scary at points when he's going down below trying to talk to the creature and he's trying to get out the end while he's trying to chase after him and kill him after the twist was that he was going to burn the creature which was a smart plan by him yeah, yeah all the action scenes were like spot on oh for sure and a good way to start the um, short film too because it basically starts with the creature just jumping aboard killing a couple people then going down below and then they're like oh shit what are we going to do now so it adds a little bit of horror suspense action uh, frills some good uh, plot twists overall top to bottom uh, my favorite and an amazing piece of work now let's talk about the final thing before we wrap this up your number one pick, Travis. Number one is going to be the Pulse of the Machine, the very Pulse of the Machine. Which is the one we talked about a little bit already, which was a very trippy one about an astronaut going through this trippy world. Through this trippy world while basically partially almost suffocating death because she's running out of auction. And also, at the same time, like trying to make it to her destination, this the landing craft, while carrying a bunch of weight behind her, which is her, her dead companion. Mm. Um. They didn't explain ever why they were there, but like I just thought setting was cool. It's like it almost looked like kind of a moon of like a Jupiter similar to that of uh, a planet similar to that of Jupiter, and it was just there. They're trying. I'm assuming find maybe ore or something, and they're just cruising around there, a little buggy, just having a good time. And they run into this this almost volcano-ish mm-hmm. thing and causes it to crash. And like that to me is a very dramatic start, but I thought it was like very well done. Because it's like it sets up the rest of it perfectly from that point on. You're like, okay, very bad, like situations happen. P- whole point of this now is survival. Like, got to make it back to the spacecraft to survive. Yep. And then in that entire time, it's her realizing her death is probably imminent. Like, she doesn't have a lim- She has a very limited supply of oxygen ish. Um, she can't like keep up a steady pace because she's carrying so much weight and she's going through very uneven and very rough terrain. Like some of it's rock. Some of it is like a swampy, like weird, almost like acidic, like kind of swamp. Yeah. Um, and all this time, well, she's just traveling this terrain is just like, it's almost beautiful, like trippy, but beautiful. Like, uh, like her, her, uh, what is it? You call that hallucinations. Like you just see the mountains just start moving and becoming the shape of her, her dead companion because, in her mind, that's who she's talking to, even though it's possibly the planet. 
because they don't really explain that very well. Mm. I guess that's kind of left up to interpretation. Yeah. However you want to interpret it. Yeah. Because basically in my mind, I saw it as the, the planet itself was like a machine in a way, because we saw the pulse of the machine, the pulse of the planet or moon or whatever it was. But at the same time, it was talking to her as if it had some sort of sentience. True. And it was using her, her friend to communicate with her. And overall, as we wrap this up, what do you think we should give it for a rating this show, or not the show, but the season in general? I would personally give it a great. Easy myself. great. I don't know if I'd go full Kino, but an easy great. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. think, that, like, as we said, there's never been a bad no. season. No, so not at all. at the very least, it's anywhere between good to Kino. Yeah, for sure. Seasons. Yeah. Um, great animation, a lot of great stories, and very unique stories, even ones that we liked less than other ones, just... Yeah. And even, a whole range of yeah. stories. And even though we did get a continuation from the first season, yeah. the, the three robots, even that was its own story in a way, even though it's oh, the same sure. characters. Yeah. You could kind of watch it by itself. You don't need to watch the first one, really. Exactly. Yeah, it's so. just three robots showing up on Earth. Yeah. So, well, I, yeah, tra- traversing Earth, seeing whatever happened. So, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah, so it's the stories themselves have their own standing. And even though that like knowing that there's a first episode to the three robots makes that one kind of slightly better. True. Like you could watch on his own. You could watch any of these on their own and not take away anything from the season. Is there one that you would like to see a sequel to kind of like the robots? Um, or do they kind of wrap up everything very well? I think most things wrap up pretty well. Uh, I kind of almost want to see actually uh, bad travelings. Yeah, I'd like to see a second part to that. Maybe either dive more into the mo- the mystical monster aspect, like the sea creatures, or maybe just follow that guy, the the smart uh, uh, navigator, see where he goes. Because I'm assuming something happens after he makes it out alive. Yeah, I would like to see more out of that world. It seems like a very uh, interesting world. So I would like to see more about uh, different creatures or different stories involved in that guy, like we said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that's our wrap-up of Season 3 of Love, Death, Robots. A very uh, fun time. Hopefully, they make another season. Um, as the season's been going on, Netflix has been putting more money into advertising for this, which is great because sometimes Netflix kind of just, like, forgets about their shows and doesn't put anything into advertising for this. Luckily, they have been put a lot into this, I assume, because the animation isn't cheap. But but also the fact that, like, they, it's gotten good, like, good feedback from yeah. the first seasons so yeah people like, are watching it um so that's great so hopefully it gets another season or two it seems like it seems like netflix doesn't do like more than five seasons of anything though generally not but even five seasons i'd be okay with on this yeah i'll be okay with that you know once you get past that it's like how many more stories can you come up with yeah or so like at think, that point you'd just be doing like continuations of the stories that we sure. already had so four or five seasons or end it now I'd, I'd go for five i'd be fine yeah. with five seasons yeah, I'll be good with I think you seasons. could get just enough stories and maybe, again, a continuation or two here and there of ones that we've already established. There's a couple I really want continuations of from previous seasons. I would also like to see more from, like, the military short films. Different group of people, but in the same world, same animation style. Yeah. Uh, maybe different creatures and whatnot. Yeah, different creatures or just different, like, just different stories about what's going on. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the end of this episode. Uh, there's some other blockbusters that are coming out pretty soon. Uh, at some point, we will talk about Kenobi at oh, some point in the future because yeah. that's out. Um, I saw only the first episode, but it was pretty good. So I'd like to talk about that more eventually. And I think the next uh, floor, uh, Love and Thunder, I think it's called. 
is coming out relatively soon, and there's some other blockbusters that are coming out, so we'll get to those at some point with episode 99, if we're going to do something really special for episode 100. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is Austin. And Travis. And we're tuning off, and we'll hear from you back in two weeks with a new episode on a new subject on Trash Talk Podcast.